0: This is Sarah Reinhardt, and you're listening to The Catholic Foodie with Jeff Young, and if you're lucky, his wife Char. Well,
1: this is Jeff Young, The Catholic Foodie, at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to Episode 64 of The Catholic Foodie, The Cross in the Kitchen. Welcome to The Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm so glad that you're here. Actually, we're so glad that you're here, right, hun?
2: Yes, we are.
1: <laughs> it's good to be back. We missed last week because... Annabelle had a uh, gymnastics meet, so it was the first time in a long time that we hadn't produced a show, huh? That's right. But we're back. We're back in action, and we're going to talk today about bread, which I love. I just absolutely love bread. Lots (laughs) and lots of bread. Give me bread, anytime. Uh, We're going to talk a bit about fasting, too, and we're going to get back into our Lenten journey uh, reflections on the Shawshank Redemption and Babette's Feast. And so we're glad that you are here at the Catholic Foodie, where Where food food meets meets faith. faith. Well, uh, that's what's on the agenda for today, right? That's on the menu. I should say menu because this is the Catholic foodie.
2: That's right. And it's your favorite thing, bread.
1: Oh, bread. Yes. <laughs> uh, I do love bread. I don't know why. Uh, I, I've always loved bread. I, I remember as a kid going to the grocery store with my dad and uh, you know, grocery shopping, and my mom will be, you know, was, was there, and my sister, and... Uh, he would we'd walk over to the uh, the bakery section. and He would get a, a loaf of French bread. This is like French bread that just came out the oven. You know, it's hot. It's really good. And uh, and he would just open the bag and pinch off a piece. And I'd pinch off a piece. We'd walk around grocery shopping and eat French bread.
2: Wow! And I that's know. probably why you like pizza.
1: That may be why we're both bald. <laughs> you never know. Maybe. But I do. I love pizza too. And uh, you know, bread is oftentimes. Uh, Associated with fasting, because some people will fast on bread and water.
2: That's right.
1: And of course, the Eucharist itself is bread. So we're going to talk about bread just a little bit today. And what else were we going to, we got our reflection. Fasting. Fasting. Okay. I think I'm repeating myself.
2: Go ahead. <laughs>
1: That's why I make show notes so I know it's, what I'm gonna talk about.
2: It's everyone else's fast to listen to, to, listen you to me. repeat. That's
1: right. That's right. It's like
2: penance. And That's it's right.
1: Lent, so people can listen to me, repeat, and souls will get out of purgatory and sins will be you know, you have reparation for sins and all kinda of good stuff. That's right. That's right. That's what I used to tease my wife because Uh, I would say, you know, Jesus said, take up your cross, right? And and it's through the cross that you're going to be saved. And he gives everyone. Everyone has a cross. And I always said, you know, well, you know, my wife, I tell Char, I'm your cross. (laughs) (laughs) So take up the cross. But, of course, that's just, uh, I mean, there's some truth in that, I guess. We're crosses for each other. And we have to grow and uh, learn to love the cross and love each other. Marriage isn't always easy. But um, but God is there and God is good. And uh, anyway, we, we have plenty of opportunities in life in Lent and outside of Lent to uh, to make reparation for our sins. That's right. So anyway, bread and uh, fasting kind of go together. And uh, as I mentioned, a lot of times people, when they fast, they will fast on bread and water. And that kind of leads me again to this book that I mentioned last episode. It's called The Spirituality of Fasting by Monsignor Charles M. Murphy. I can't say enough good about this book. Excellent book and a wonderful resource, and not just resource, but a source of inspiration for Lent. And uh, yes, we're about to celebrate the fourth Sunday of Lent, so we don't have that much, uh, that wow. much more time in Lent, which is pretty amazing. Wait, yeah. not fourth. Yeah, because this past oh. Sunday was the third Sunday of Lent. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. But anyway, so you, you, we don't have that much more time uh, in Lent. However, it doesn't matter because Lent is just, uh, it's a time for us to intensify the things that we should be practicing in our life anyway, right? As Christians, prayer, almsgiving, and fasting. So, uh, if, even if, even though it's kind of, we're kind of late in Lent now, uh, I would highly recommend you get this book anyway, uh, Pope Benedict, I almost said St. Benedict, Pope Benedict the sixteenth last year and even more recently has advocated a return to this great tradition of fasting that we have, a 2,000-year-old tradition in the church, something that Jesus himself practiced, and he said in the Gospels, not if you fast, but when you fast, so it is part of, of, of the practice of the faith is to fast along with almsgiving and prayer. So... We, we need to fast, and Pope Benedict reminds us of this, uh, and then Charles M. Murphy in this book does an excellent job of kind of, especially for us in the West, where it was, it, we're so affluent here, and it's so hard for us, I think, to grasp the meaning of fasting for a religious purpose, uh, and also to deal with the very practical aspects of fasting. We, in, a, in a way, many of us, we just don't even know where to start. Right. So the good thing about this book is that he actually lays out a plan, a very practical plan of things that we can do to get back into practicing this great tradition of fasting. And it could be something as simple as skipping a meal.
2: Okay. Right?
1: So he he lays it out for us and gives us the rationale behind it. And I think I mentioned last episode, but I'm going to mention it again, the fact that he brings up at the end of the book, that this is – the fasting, we fast for a purpose. We don't fast just to fast. We fast for a purpose, and the purpose is the feast. We, we fast for the feast. We fast in order to prepare for the feast. We're not just into some sort of masochism here uh, where we, we punish ourselves. We're fasting in order to get ready for the feast. And, of course, in a global scale, we are fasting – and doing mortification to to prepare ourselves, which involves reparation for sin, we we prepare ourselves and kind of detach ourselves from all the things that hold us bound on earth, from our unruly desires, right, our disordered inclinations that we all have as a ro- result of of original sin, in order to purify our hearts and be ready to enter the kingdom of God in heaven. Right, the, the the banquet. So we're preparing now by fasting in order to enter the feast of heaven. But on a more immediate level, we're, we're fasting during Lent in order to prepare to celebrate the glory of the resurrection, Easter. So anyway, I cannot recommend this book highly enough. You can find uh, more about this, at least my thoughts about the book, at catholicfoodie.com. I am uh, posting... I just recorded a uh, a, a video interview uh, not interview a review of this book this afternoon so along with uh, the show notes for this podcast you're going to see on catholicfoodie.com a um a, a video that'll have more of my thoughts on this wonderful wonderful book so what do you think about that hun
2: I think it's great
1: do you want to start fasting with me
2: I'll get there <laughs>
1: I think I mentioned last uh, episode that I've really been kind of convicted about fasting and that I needed to incorporate fasting into my life, which is something, by the way, that I don't like.
2: Right. Well, I mean, we went to a talk last night as well that was very, I mean, it was awesome. Yes. Um,
1: By Dr. Brant Petrie, by the way, who I interviewed him for the Catholic Foodie on the episode last year for Holy Thursday.
2: Yes, and we talked about the Eucharist. He really is gifted and a gift oh, to uh, the church. Um his talk last night was very inspirational as well. I mean, very informative, but um very inspirational. It really gave me the me, you know, the why, you know, why mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. to um why we should always be fasting. Not continuously, but on a regular basis. And and, and
1: year-round, not just in Lent.
2: Right. And um, it should just be intensified during Lent. Mm -hmm. But um, it's really about training the will for a higher call. And um, Christ, I mean, the point he made, he said Christ invites us to participate in redemption, but we can't if we're slaves. So fasting is one part and a very powerful part when combined with prayer um, to train our to train the flesh mm-hmm.
1: Do you remember the story he told which was really good he, he's, it was a quote from a saint, he couldn't remember which one he thought it was uh, St. Jean Viennet, but um, where he said that the devil uh, laughs is that right? Something like The devil laughs, know. the devil is not afraid the devil you know, kind of chuckles when um, someone is praying right when they pray to be I don't know kind of liberated from evil or uh, to set free from from evil and from sin and from the things that uh, that kind of you know trap uh, trip them up in life. But when he encounters someone who adds fasting to their prayer, mm-hmm. he trembles in fear because he knows. He has nothing to use against this person. He's he's got nothing to use against them. Mm -hmm. Because if they're fasting, they're being liberated, they're being uh, uh, freed from those disordered desires. And God is working in them to bring about a right order, uh, which I think is really awesome. Mm -hmm. It's great. It makes me want to fast forever. (laughs) (laughs) How about we we change this to the... uh, the fasting foodie. Yeah, the, the the Catholic faster. <laughs> the Catholic fasting foodie, or the Catholic foodie. Fa- anyway, um, interesting. <laughs> so was there anything you wanted to share about last night? The talk was just so phenom- phenomenal.
2: I mean, I'd love to give the whole talk, but I can't do that. It's, um, I mean, does he have that recorded? He has it recorded, he said. Um a variation of it. It was Mm -hmm. given at a men's conference. So it is geared more towards men. Mm -hmm. Um, but his website is dot com. It's B R A N T -T Petrie P I T R Mm E.com. And he Mm -hmm. has available a lot of his talks, um, on CD, on CD. And he also has some books, but, um, I mean, it's, uh, it's too much to. I think it's too yeah, much it's to get into. It's just so intense and amazing how he cracks open scripture. He's really oh, yeah. a scripture scholar, and um, but it's not
1: dry. It's it's oh. like a living, uh, the living word of God. You know, it's 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 uh, he he presents it in such a way that the scripture kind of cuts you to the heart and it really speaks to you.
2: Well, what he he did is he started with the temptations of Jesus in the desert and. Linked that to, um, you know, the way that the devil tempted, tempted Jesus, Jesus were three very distinct ways, right. and basically it was pleasure, possessions, and pride. Mm-hmm. And he, um, I mean, he gets pretty deep into all of that, all of it. Mm-hmm. But then he looks he he lines it right up with the fall of Adam, mm-hmm. as well as then the Sermon on the Mount, right. And God, Jesus gives us the answer and how to combat these, our pitfalls, you know, it's like how he knows, um, I mean, God knows us. And so he, he knows our, and and I guess, you know, in a way the devil knows, you know, our weaknesses too. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he was so cunning just the way, I mean, he is so cunning, but the way, um, you know. Dr. Petrie presented it as well. Was just kind of brought shed light on his the devil's cunningness, you know. Right, right. Um, but that Jesus gives us fasting, alms giving, and prayer, right, as the way to come, and it lines up perfectly with the lust for the f- of of the flesh, which includes you know an, a disordered desire for food or food, drink,
1: drink, alcohol, <laughs> you know,
2: et cetera, all kind of stuff. Um, and have the um, then lust of the eyes, which is, you know, desire for possessions, be it or you know, anything money, from money. Shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Books. Books, yeah. <laughs> Cars,
1: status, um, or
2: kind of workaholism. Right. Workaholicism. Yeah. Workaholicism. Work. Anyway, yeah. to pride, which is um, you know a disordered love of self mm-hmm. be it selfishness self-absorption ego egot, egotism yeah. and even anger right so um again it's the fasting almsgiving and prayer you know if you're attached to something he said give it away
1: right yeah. um almsgiving
2: so anyway it's just it's so unbelievable it's
1: but i, I he obviously i cannot
2: do it justice because he you know but it's great and go for it
1: it's awesome. It yeah. was just fantastic. I was just going to make a stupid joke and say that he obviously didn't mean for me to give you away because I'm attached to you. Oh,
2: you are so funny.
1: Anyway, that, <laughs> that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, Aww. yeah. That's um, that's that was. uh I mean, it, it was an inspiring talk and once again one that kind of challenges you and makes you wonder. Hey, how come I didn't see this before? Right. I mean, it's all right there. It's all right there in Scripture, and as he points out, it's all right there in the Catechism. Exactly. All of it is line, just outlined perfectly for us in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It, it, it's right there, but many times we don't take the time to read it. And uh, to be honest, a lot of people, and I don't think that I'm in this group as a teacher. I, I think I'm. I kind of stand a little bit outside of this, but a lot of people, when they look at the Catechism— or they look at the Bible, they get intimidated right away. So even though the catechism is written in a language that a child could understand, it's almost like when you first approach it, you approach it with a mental block to begin with. So it does become hard for you to understand. Or same thing with the Bible. The Bible is written in very simple language if you just take the time to read it. But we have all this, these trappings, these ideas that, that kind of block us from... The word of God it, it, we're, we're intimidated and then when we do approach it, we approach it as sort of this mystical book that nobody can understand or that is just too far beyond us that we can't grasp and so we approach it and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy right, if, if we think it's beyond us then we go to read it, it is
2: mm-hmm.
1: when in actuality it's written for us, for, for children for the simple and if you just read it in a way, almost like you would read the paper in the morning because it's the good news. And not to, not to make it too, um, I, I want to say ritualized in a, in a way, but just to read it, acknowledging that it's, the, it's God's word, it's sacred scripture, but reading it knowing that it's alive, it's living, and it's going to touch your heart. It's not just a dead letter. It's not just a book. You know, but you have to do that in such a way that I don't know that you're not blocking yourself from it from the from the get go. I don't know if I'm making sense mm-hmm. here, but sometimes we and there's a such thing in the in the church as Lexio Divina, okay the uh, the the divine reading, where you're you're taking just small snippets of the word of God and you're reading them slowly and you repeat it you read it over and over and over again and then you meditate on it, and you think about it, and you try to imagine yourself there. Then you read it again, and then you kind of wait and let God speak to you in your heart through this text. And it is an incredible, it is an awesome um, method of prayer. And matter of fact, Pope Benedict XVI has said that if all Christians would get back to practicing this method of Lectio Divina, it would change the world. But what I would say, and I'm not putting myself on par with the Pope, but what I would say is if we don't know the basic message of salvation, if we haven't read the stories as stories, the story of the gospel as a story, then we don't have the basis really to go in and read it little by little and to be blown away by it. We kind of have to look at the story overall first. So I always encourage people, pick up the Bible. Start with Mark. If you're going to read the Gospel, start with Mark. It is the, uh, the shortest, and it's the most action-packed. Jesus basically goes from one action to another. Boom, 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 boom. There's no pause like in, say, John's Gospel. No lengthy discourses like you have both in, well, John's Gospel, but also like the extended section of teachings in Matthew's Gospel, the Sermon on the Mount, or also, it's in Luke's gospel, the same thing, but it's referred to as the Sermon in the Valley. So you don't have those. You just have him casting out demons left and right, healing people, proclaiming the word of God, and just changing everything. And, and that's pretty awesome. So you get to read that and let just the life of Jesus, the witness, the testimony of the gospel writer, impact you. Read it as a story. And then, after you read that, read Acts of the Apostles, and after that, read the Pauline letters, and read... The letters to all Christians, which would include 1 and 2 Peter, 1, 2 and 3 John, Revelation, all these good things. Stick with the New Testament and then start getting in the Old Testament and seeing how the Old Testament reflects the New Testament and how it all works together. But if you don't have the basic message, then Lexio Divina is not going to do anything for you. You're going to be just as confused as you are now. And I'm talking just in general to people, not point anybody out i'm not saying that you are confused i'm just saying in general and this is what i recommend to people so um where i'm going with this i have no idea but i know that that man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of god so this has something to do with bread yeah it does (laughs) some way right in some kind of way oh my goodness i don't know how i got onto that but anyway speaking of bread can we talk about those hot cross buns? Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. And then you've got some stuff going on in the kitchen today, and I want to talk about that too. All right. First, I want to say that our good friend, Kate Daniluk of Making Music Praying Twice, which you can find at Making Music has sent me a recipe. Is something that she posted on her website, um, Making Music Praying Twice.com, and she posted it there as a, Lent, a Lenten activity for kids. Uh, She's got some great stuff over there. We had her on the show, too. It's been a few months back now. Uh, She's got a wonderful ministry. It's a family ministry. They all do it together. And uh, it's it's really cool. It's about music and and education and catechesis and uh, just the family and and, uh, raising up good kids, uh, educated kids but godly kids. And uh, this is one of the – got a dog barking in the background – but this is one of the projects that she posted on – On uh, on our website for Lent, and it's homemade hot cross buns.
2: It has currants, and I bought some today. Mm. I have been. I want to make these most definitely this year. We have never done them, but we've talked about it, and I've thought about it. And bread does sometimes take a while to make. Right. Anyway, I do want to do it. Okay.
1: Well, we'll. And I have the currants already. Well, speaking of currants, let's look. Let me just uh, tell you what's in these hot cross buns. First of all, you have uh, milk and honey and butter and uh, yeast, flour, cinnamon, allspice, salt, sugar, eggs, the zest of one lemon and the zest of one large orange or two small oranges, currants and powdered sugar. Cool. So that's pretty good, huh?
2: I think we have everything. I'll need to get oranges by then. Well,
1: this is great, Kate. I'm so excited about this. All right, we got. Uh, we have warm. You got the, the, the milk. You got to warm the milk. Um, and you add the honey. Dissolve the honey. You mix the flour, sugar, salt, cinnamon, allspice, and yeast in a bowl, like a standing mixer or just a large bowl if you do it by hand. You mix and you wet the dry ingredients together in a stand mixer or... Uh, by hand. If you're doing it by hand, you can do it with a spoon. Uh, I use a fork, actually. I use just a fork to stir uh, ingredients like that when I'm making bread. Um, you add the eggs, and you mix until soft. You have like a soft, elastic dough. Okay? Then you add uh, the butter in pieces. You continue mixing until the butter mixes in. Last lasts about five minutes, and then you add the zest and the currants, until incorporated, and then you turn it onto a floured surface and knead it, which kneading is its work, but I love to knead, believe it or not. <laughs> I don't know why. It's fun. So you knead it uh, a few turns. Don't mix in too much flour like when you would when you're kneading. It needs to be a soft dough, and then you put, uh, put it in a large buttered bowl, cover and let it rise for about in a warm place for about an hour and a half until it's doubled in bulk. Preheat the oven to 400, you punch it down, uh, you divide it into 18 pieces, so you'd have 18 little rolls there, form them into balls, and the kids can have fun doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, place
1: it uh, place on a jelly roll pan or a cookie sheet with, uh, with grease foil or parchment paper, and then you cut across on the top of each roll. You cover those again and let it rise for about 30 minutes in a warm place, not hot, but just a warm place. Then you mix an egg yolk. You're going to do an egg wash here. You mix one egg yolk with about a, 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 a tablespoon of milk. And so you're going to do an egg wash on top. You just kind of brush it over the top of each of the rolls before you stick it into the uh, the oven. Stick them in there, 400-degree oven. You bake for 12 to 15 minutes until they're golden, golden brown. Cool it on a rack. And then you can put a glaze on there. And this is what Kate does. She mixes powdered sugar with one to two... Tablespoons of juice of either the lemon or the orange, and then you make a thin glaze to drizzle on the crosses. And uh, you can add more sugar to make a thicker icing uh, for uh, piping crosses if you wanted to do that. So, uh, looks good,
2: huh?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. And, you know, the the tradition, I believe, of the hot cross buns is something similar to...
2: Is it like an Easter Sunday right well
1: it's a this is what this is what she wrote up uh, kate wrote this up on her website she said it's a traditional lenten treat um, they're not too sweet for oh, okay. dessert uh, and they feature a cross made of dough or icing this is an english tradition of a lenten treat substitute with symbolic imagery similar to the german pretzel so the origin of the hot cross buns is ambiguous uh, with several plausible stories um but it is an English uh, tradition, and it is something for Lent. And it's not too sweet, but uh, it is kind of like a dessert.
2: Oh, I thought it was an Easter Sunday thing. Okay. So,
1: I guess it could be done for Easter Sunday, just add more sugar. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm joking <laughs> about that. I'm kidding. But uh, So, yeah, I don't see why you can't do it for Lent and Easter. Okay. Yeah. For during Lent, though, I mean, maybe for a Sunday, because yeah. Sundays you're a little more lax on the... Uh,
2: on treats the uh, the yeah
1: treats and everything, so pretty cool. And you're going to be making what tonight?
2: Today? I'm making pretzels. Pretzels for the first time. Soft pretzels, bread pretzels, basically for um for little flowers.
1: Little flowers girls, girls club, club, which is tomorrow. Yes, and-
2: I was going to. I volunteered because it's Grace's birthday Sunday, so I thought I'd volunteer for January. I volunteered in January for Annabelle, and now I'm volunteering for, you know, for Grace's birthday month. But someone else was bringing um, sweet treats, so I decided I would uh, do these pretzels. You know, someone's bringing a fruit and somebody's bringing cupcakes already, so. Cool. I'm going to try these and um, roll them out and put some salt and, you know. We'll see oh, how I they like go. It. I got the recipe from Danielle Bean's website. That's the one I'll use. So we'll see how it goes. I think I'm gonna mix some, you know, heartier uh, whole wheat flour with some less uh, hearty, <laughs> <laughs> whiter flour. Yeah. Cool. So,
1: and I guess next week actually, can we yeah. can report as to how they.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, in the whole... Uh, we've never made them before, but it, they are a Lenten um, Christian, an ancient Christian Lenten bread. Mm-hmm. And um, it's in this information I have, it says it dates back as uh, as far back as the 4th century. Wow. So because the faithful kept very strict fast all through Lent with no milk, butter, mm-hmm. cheese, eggs, cream, or meat, they would make small breads with flour, water, and salt to remind themselves that Lent was a time of prayer. And uh, they shaped the breads in a form of crossed arms And um, because in those days they crossed their arms over their breasts while praying. And the breads were called little arms or bracelle.
1: I don't know how that... Okay. <laughs>
2: Well, it's Latin, right? Mm. Oh, is it? Anyway, um, the the Germanic people are who coined the term pretzel. Oh, that was my research. Very cool. <laughs> Very
1: cool. Well, cool. Well, we'll have to report on that next week. And how about some feedback? Go for it.
0: Rula. Rula, you heard him. You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sorry. True love is the
2: greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich, when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomato is ripe. They're so perky. I
0: love that.
3: Hi, Captain Jeff and Chow. Just wanted to leave you some voice here because I listened to your latest episode of the Catholic Booty. And I wanted to let you know that I really enjoyed it. It uh, gave me some uh, inspiration, and I also want to let you know I listened to your interview, Jeff, on uh, Father Jim's Catholic Creativity podcast. I really uh, learned a lot, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm I'm going to have to uh, listen to the episode where you talked about the cooking, the uh, the cooking school. Uh, I haven't had a chance to listen, but I hope I'm going to hopefully. Uh, uh sometime when i get a chance i' have a s- spring break in about uh wow. not next not not this coming week but the week after so uh i uh will be catching up on some podcast listening uh but i just wanted to share with you and your listeners that uh, i uh uh, uh uh swam a lot in my uh, uh i swam 200 yards of uh, freestyle in uh, wow. my special Olympics uh, swim practice. and i walked about 05, miles or so today Golly. Uh, wow. I just wanted to share with you and uh, uh, so uh, so hopefully with, with all the food I've been eating I've been uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> losing some calories yeah. so uh, keep up the great work and uh, yeah, you can and check out my podcast Special Chronicles which can be found at specialchronicles.tk so keep up the great work
1: and God bless bye. Wow thank you Daniel that's Goodness gracious, he swam all that much and walked five miles? I think I would die. I'd go meet the Lord you may. if I did that.
2: You may. Goodness but it's gracious. It's inspirational, sweetheart. You I can know. do it.
1: Speaking of which, you know, my motorcycle uh, went kind of kaput in a way. Well, it didn't really go kaput. Um, it's stuck in third gear, which means you really can't do much. Right. Um, <laughs> and matter of fact, the, 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 the gears themselves have shifted out of place. So it's not like I can just go out there and fix it. It's got to be... Taken somewhere, and um, I don't know when that's going to happen. We got to make arrangements to actually get it there. So twice this past week, I have had to walk home from school, and it's taken me forty minutes. And I'm not, I'm not crying. Uh, it gave me a chance to pray the rosary, so I took advantage of the opportunity. But I'm just saying <laughs> that I did do some walking, and it didn't kill me.
2: Very. Good. Some, everyone has to start somewhere.
1: And it, and it gives me hope that I could maybe do this on a regular basis. Yay! And make you happy.
2: That'd be great.
1: <laughs> and rumor has it, it'll make me happy too. Yeah. Exercise is supposed to be good for you.
2: Oh, it's so good.
1: Well, honey, before we get into our Lenten discussions, I think we should make an announcement. Okay. Do you know what announcement I'm going to make? No. No. Okay. Well, I'm going to make an announcement that there is now a new segment on oh, the Catholic okay. Foodie. We have a new segment that I you're going had no to be hearing idea what you were talking every about. episode.
2: Okay. Uh,
1: well, you know all about this. You've <laughs> I heard it already. I didn't know
2: what you were But you just didn't with. know what I
1: was referring to. Okay. Well, um, man, I'm excited about this. How about you? Me too. I think it's so cool. And I think that you are going to be excited about it as
2: well. Hi, I'm Junie. And I'm Ray, And And this is Mary in
0: the Kitchen kitchen with Sarah (laughs) Reinhardt. I have never liked to cook. It has always seemed a bit of an irony to me, therefore, that I live in an old farmhouse in the rural area of Ohio outside the delivery range of any pizza establishment. I have long savored a devotion to Mary, the Blessed Mother, though, and when I met with Jeff and Char recently, I couldn't help but find myself excited about the prospect of cooking, which is strange considering my aversion to cooking. In the last three years, I have found myself in the kitchen out of necessity. I have kids who have to eat, and sort of an obligation as their mother to feed them something other than just nuggets and goldfish, though I'm not knocking those, and they do eat plenty of both. Often, my kitchen table serves many functions—counter space, gathering area, prayer space, prep area, and serving line. And it was at the kitchen table that I first noticed— Mary in my house. I was sitting there in the early morning silence, the kitchen lit only by the glow of the lights above the sink and the stove, struggling through a rosary. My mind was flitting around and I was losing track of the mystery I was supposed to be meditating. Gripping that rosary, I felt her hand. Mother Teresa used to say that she always carried a rosary to hold Mary's hand, and suddenly I had an idea of just what she meant. There, in the hub of my world, the kitchen table, was Mary. She was with me, not perched on a pedestal, but right beside me, sweat on her brow and stains on her apron. Had she been there all along? Did she sympathize with the five o'clock witching hour that seems to strike my house without fail every single weekday? Could she understand my combined joy and frustration at the kitchen sink, lacking any dishwasher but myself? Was she overcome with me at the speed with which the small socks in my laundry pile were getting larger? Was that her praying with me every morning, feeling the sorrow for recent grief, the hilarity of daily life, the uncertainty of knowing God's will? Maybe, more than anywhere else in my house, I find Mary in the kitchen. In the coming weeks and months, we'll explore Mary in the kitchen together during this segment of Catholic Foodie. Join me, this week, in saying a Hail Mary in the kitchen, that we may say yes to the trials and laughter found there, and better embrace our vocations.
1: Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Sarah Reinhard, uh, that's who uh, is going to be doing our segment here, Mary in the Kitchen. I'm very excited about this. And you can find more of Sarah over at snoringscholar.com she's also the one who did the intro there for the show today i love that intro that's why (laughs) i've played it for like the last three episodes um anyway sarah is wonderful you uh you may recognize her also from uh the catholic moments podcast where she does a segment called uh mary moment the mary moment so uh now we have Mary in the kitchen. So Sarah, welcome to the Catholic Foodie. I am so excited. I know you're excited, honey. That's right. Yeah, and, yes. and we just uh this is gonna be so much fun. And and inspiring and uh hopefully something that will make all of us more a bit more prayerful.
2: I like that. In the kitchen. We need it there.
1: You know, it's funny, uh <laughs> when she first uh we first started talking about this idea. Uh, the first thing I thought about was something that Father Tom Forrest, a long time ago, who is basically, he was a, a priest, he was kind of like a, a priest evangelist. He traveled all all over the world uh, uh, preaching the gospel. And he told a story when he was in New Orleans one time about why in the gospels we don't see, after the resurrection, we don't see Mary. not I mean, Mary, his mother. We don't see Mary, the Virgin Mary. After uh, the resurrection, we don't—that's my dog—we don't see her again until Pentecost, where she's with the apostles and disciples uh, in the upper room. So, why? And he was asking that question, why? You know, you have all these other apostles, the disciples, the women who went to the tomb. Where was Mary? Mary is the woman of faith. The woman of faith. Where was she? And he said, well, that's very obvious to him she was the woman of faith so she believed god's promises she knew he was going to be raised from the dead so guess where she was at home in the kitchen cooking breakfast waiting for him to get back right you know so she was in the kitchen cooking for her son raised from the dead
2: that's right isn't it awesome Mm -hmm. just
1: so incredible so anyway uh, thank you Father Tom Forrest For that wonderful insight I've always loved it And thank you again Sarah For this uh, this just inspiring segment Mary in the Kitchen they the cap- the- funny, mysterious and funny, they're all together corny. The cat, the
3: geek, and cooks. Their podcasts, I must tune in. Where people come to hear them. they really are a scream. The cat, the geek, and cooks. Neat, sweet, petite, geeks,
1: freaks. <laughs> Catholic's so run and get your and find us in your
3: iTunes. we're gonna pay a call on the catholic
1: weekend Coupes. Well that was a but promo for the Catholic funny. weekend with uh, Captain Jeff <laughs> Captain Jeff is the uh, the the head kook uh, over there at uh, <laughs> at uh, the Catholic weekend and you can find you can find Catholic weekend at uh, on iTunes and also over at sqpn.com is that funny?
2: <laughs> Not <laughs> to you... be confused with the head cook. Head, head... cook
1: and head kook. Yeah.
2: That's right. <laughs> Spelled
1: almost the same, oddly enough.
2: Isn't that weird? Yes. Maybe there's
1: some kind of relief. And we're both called Jeff. We're both named Ooh. Jeff. Something the... weird going on there. But, of course, the Cookie. promo is kind of from a weird show, too. So <laughs> Anyway, they do excellent, uh, an excellent show over at uh, Catholic Weekend. Please do go and check them out. Well, I think now is the time, honey, that we need to talk about our Lenten journey reflections. What are we going to talk about today?
2: Um, I think last. You're supposed to be in charge. (laughs) Oh, well then,
1: hand me the book. Okay. (laughs) We uh, we started this two weeks ago, uh, the beginning of Lent. It's uh, coming mainly from this book, "The Power of Small Choices" by uh, Hillary Brand. This book, by the way, in case you want to use this once again, it is late. And, and are getting late We're moving toward the end of Lent uh, But you can still get this book And you could use it time During the years you, you know, There's no rule saying you have to do it Only during Lent uh, and, it, and it deals with using movies To help us grow in our faith And the movies used are The Shawshank Redemption and Babette's Feast Two great, great movies And uh, uh, at Pauline.org Pauline.org they have this book on sale for $2. $2. I paid $15 for my copy. This was a few years back. But they're on sale for $2. And uh, from what a good friend of mine, Mike, says, they ship that day. They ship the day you order. So uh, an excellent book. I would recommend it. Uh, you can get it at Pauline.org for 2 bucks. Uh, you can't beat it. Anyway, last uh, episode we focused on... Babette's Feast, and we talked about that. And and today, I think we're going to focus mostly on the Shawshank Redemption. Now, ideally, you would have seen these movies and kind of know what we're talking about here. If you haven't, don't worry about it. We're just going to... uh, Spoil
2: the ending for you. We're just going to (laughs)
1: spoil the ending for you. You I don't know if we're going to spoil the ending. No, I'm just... But... um, Oh, goodness. Let me me see. We're not
2: marked. We're not marked here, Mm -hmm. are
1: we? All right. Um. Well, let's just do the discussion part here, and um, we're going to have to change some of the uh, language here. I don't want to say this one word on this show because I know that we also have some kids who listen to the show. I'm thinking of Jordan in particular, Jordan. If you're listening, hey, how you doing? We uh, love uh, oh the Mon- coffee, Mystic Monk Mystic Mom so coffee that you sent. That was so awesome, and I know we've thanked you already on the show before, but I want to thank you again. We just we just went through the whole bag because we didn't drink it all like in a week or something. We kind of spaced it out to enjoy it. And we we finished it off, what, last week? This past yeah. week, huh? Mm-hmm. Finished. It was really good. I liked and it. And it was the original roast, the, the regular roast of uh, the Mystic Monks. And uh, it was, I, I really enjoyed it. So thank you again so much, Jordan, for that and, uh, and for the coffee mug, my, my coffee mug, which is really cool. It's got a monk on it. It's very (laughs) Anyway, so I don't want to say this this word they've got here in the book just because I do know that there are kids uh, who do listen to the show, and I don't want to – just don't want to go there. So um, we're talking here about uh, the Shawshank Redemption today. Okay. All right. We're going to start talking about Shawshank today and uh, the clip that we uh, were supposed to watch beforehand if you have the movie – uh the clip is when they first arrive at the prison when Andy first arrives at the prison in chains they take that that bus right the bus drives up drops them off and you have uh all the prisoners who gather around to see who the who the newbies are who the one you know, the, the the new prisoners who are coming in and they they kind of they take bets and they take bets on who is going to break down first cuz they always you know i guess in prison there's only so much you could do to entertain yourself and one of those is like gambling so they bet on who's going to do it and they bet on things you know like cigarettes how many cigarettes you'd win or whatever uh anyway uh when they first when they get off the bus they take him into this room and the uh the warden is giving him his welcome speech <laughs> which was pretty uh pretty intense it's not the kind of speech that I would like to hear when I go somewhere to visit, you know. No. And they're not really visiting there because they're moving there pretty much permanently. He was on death row, I guess, or no, life sentence, two consecutive life sentences. Anyway, so the warden is there, and also the captain of the guard is there, and they're they're just it's intense, but it's also kind of brutal. And he's basically telling the new people coming in, the new prisoners coming in, who's boss. That's the whole point of this open in speech, and so he gives them, you know, he says, you eat when I when I say you eat, you uh, you sleep when I say you sleep, you do this when I say you do this, I mean, he's just kind of telling them who's in charge, and then he basically, he's also like a, a, a quote-unquote, right, he's like a Christian, and he carries a Bible around with him, and he, he quotes something from Scripture to him, and then he says, you know, put your trust in the Lord, put your trust in the Lord, but basically your rear end is mine while you're here. So put your trust in the Lord, but your rear end belongs to me. So uh, basically telling them that there's nothing left, they have nothing left but all the time in the world. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And really nothing they could do for themselves with that time. So uh, Andy has nothing left but all the time in the world, right? Right. Or does he? Or does he? Oh. Does he have anything else left? What what choices? Because we're talking about choices, the power of, of small choices. What kind of choices would he have left to him in a situation like that in prison, right? Um, put your trust in the Lord. Your rear end belongs to me. Do any aspects of our lives belong to others? Or is that the case only if we allow it? So these are some of the questions we could talk about right now. Uh, what limitations in our lives are imposed upon us, and who or what imposes them? So let's let's talk first of all about this this first one. When he gets into prison, does he really have any choices left?
2: Hmm. What do you think? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like you're tossing the ball back in my court, honey I, I, I read the question, so you have to answer first.
2: Uh-oh. So what do you think?
1: I, I don't know. I I want to know what you think. I think he does. I mean, I think he does. Well,
2: he obviously does because of the of what he chooses and I mean, it's an amazing
1: it's an amazing story. Twist. Yeah.
2: Um, well, I mean, he does. He and does. everyone always, I mean, can choose, you know, mentally to become. I mean, in prison, it's really a head game, big time. Yeah, I you think know?
3: so.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, but he may. I mean, he he implemented things for the 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 prisoners. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he chose to step out. Several times and kind of, you know, take take some risks and um, Mm -hmm. establish himself as as basically a financial authority in the prison. Right, because he had been a
1: banker before.
2: Which was real interesting. So all these little choices, I mean, his choice to step forward and, I mean, he kind of took a risk there because he was stepping up. You know to someone who was pretty brutal and who right. could have you know basically beat him to death, yes, um, and so he he took that risk because I guess he felt like golly if I don't you know he had to he just had to in his right. own spirit, you know,
1: but I think even before that, if you remember um oh, what's the name of the guy, the other guy who was the other main character
2: Morgan Freeman Morgan Freeman,
1: yeah, Morgan Freeman's character he was kind of like the the narrator red, red. he was the narrator. In the movie, and so he's making comments, and he said, for some reason, uh, Andy kind of struck him in the beginning. That's we he, he bet on that he would crack first. He never cracked. And matter of fact, even though Andy got uh, picked on, bullied, and beat up uh, numerous times by a certain group of people, group of guys in the prison, he never gave in. He never gave in. Never gave up. And that there was something that he, ma- he Morgan Freeman made this comment at one point that. It's like he had made a decision that it wasn't going to sully him, that prison wasn't going to sully him, that he was going to remain pure in a way from all the stuff going on around him. Now, of course, in practice, you see that he he's just like every other prisoner. And yet, he maintained his spirit. He maintained his, uh, his attitude. He was very reserved. It was only... Much after much after spending there a lot of time there before he finally started to open up to red,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know they became friends uh but he he made the choice to not submit to really the 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 kind of like the uh the animalistic nature that takes place you you become dehumanized in prison, and he chose to remain human, mm-hmm. and it was the small things. He he loved rocks and he loved to collect rocks and so he collect these rocks and he would carve them and he was carving a chess set and of course it took forever to do, which is he had all the time in the world, but it was a little something that he could do. Um so it's just, just one example. I think he did have a choice, and I think for us, a lot of times when things happen in our lives that are beyond our control, we have a choice on how we're going to react to those circumstances.
2: That's very true.
1: Is it is it going to crush us like circumstances have done to us in the past? Or are we going to see the hand of God, right? Put your trust in the Lord is what the warden said. And there's a reason for that. Uh, are we going to put our trust in the Lord and choose to trust Him that even these circumstances, as Romans 8 St. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, says that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, those who love God. That even in the bad circumstances, that God is somehow working those out for our good, even though it makes no sense to us. We have the power of that small decision on how we face it. Is it always easy? No. But I'm sure living in prison wasn't easy either. And yet Andy shows us in that movie that we can do it.
2: And it's even more challenging when it's not just, you know. Right, when, right, when, when it's unjust. Um, anyway, I guess, can we mention that uh, This vets? is a spoiler. Oh, well... Well,
1: never mind. They're just everything's a spoiler. Life's a spoiler. Don't worry about it. Okay,
2: go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think... I don't know if here. the book asks... Oops. Whoops. Um... You know, basically, the da- the sisters or the daughters mm-hmm. of the preacher, um, basically, let's see what the question is. The two sisters lived an immensely limited lifestyle. Did they have any choice in the matter or was it chosen for them? Um, do you think they were wasting their possibilities? What limitations or losses might they have encountered if they had made different choices? To become an opera singer or to marry the dashing young officer, what good things happened as a result of the choices they did make? Well, I mean, that's that broke my heart actually when the father basically just, I thought, crushed mm-hmm. both each of the daughters in this in this. Um, they each had a relation, you know, a possibility at a marriage um a relationship one with a career and opera and um i mean it was very the the, the suitors were very sincere mm-hmm. and basically the dad just put an end to it no way right Ugh, i thought it was awful mm-hmm. what did you
0: think
1: well i think so too <laughs> and I, I see you know there's a lot of thing a lot a lot could be said here cuz in a way it, it babette's feast is it's, it's an extremely Catholic movie, but I don't think it was made by Catholic. It may have been. I don't know. It was an extremely Catholic movie. But it didn't feature any Catholicism in the content of the story, right? They're non Catholic Protestant uh community. That's that's who is um who we see there. Mm-hmm. It's not a Catholic thing, even though the movie itself, I hope y'all can understand what I'm trying to say there. The Cat the movie itself is Catholic to the core in its presentation and what it's in the underlying beliefs and the underlying assumptions. But the, the, the story deals with these, this non-Catholic community and, and how they live, uh, live out their Christianity. Um, but there's a lot of parallels because you see them making these sacrifices, tremendous sacrifices in their lives, much like the religious do in Catholicism. Our priests and brothers and sisters who are, are part of religious orders um, who make you know, take those vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Mm-hmm. right is very similar to that because they're making these sacrifices in order to be 100% at the disposal of the church 100% at the disposal of the lord st paul says once again i'm talking a lot about st paul but he he encourages and i can't remember what what letter this is in now but he encourages the the people he's writing to to remain celibate single as he is because then you would be free To serve the Lord. Your whole life could be dedicated to serving the Lord. He says, you know, but when you're married, as a man, for instance, uh, when you're married, your first duty is to your family. So you're not free to just serve the Lord in the same way that Paul was, in the same way that, you know, many of the early disciples were called to do, uh, because you were tied to physically supporting a family. And you know, But he also does encourage people, you know, if, if, if remaining celibate would lead you to sin, then you should get married, et cetera, et cetera. So, so you see the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience in light, of the fact, in light of freedom because it frees them up to be 100% involved in the work of the Lord. That's the purpose. And it seems to me that, well, of course, you know, marriage is a vocation too, and we take vows as well and so we are also saying no to things in order to say yes to something else on the whole because every every no involves a yes and every yes involves a no because
3: mm-hmm. if
1: you say yes to something you're saying no to everything else
3: mm-hmm.
1: and vice versa so uh what happens in in marriage like i at the altar i said yes to to char which meant that i said no to every other woman in the world. And you can say the same thing for Char. She said yes for me and no to every other man in the world. Uh, But even beyond that, our yes to live the sacrament of marriage also was a no to live marriage in any other way. You see, always going to have this positive and negative there. And you see the negative very clearly in Babette's Feast and how they're limited Mm-hmm. But if you stop – so you, you can't say that their whole lives were a waste or that their whole lives were not good because they couldn't enjoy the, the things that they eventually learned were, were good, right? But you can see that there's goodness in their lives. They were, they were free because of their sacrifices to serve the community and to serve God. But still, when I think about it, they did have a warped sense of uh, there wasn't a balance there, because they couldn't enjoy the things right. that God, God gave them. Right, they couldn't yeah. enjoy the food and the fellowship and the, the company, the, the 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 joy that comes from sharing meals with people and things like that. So I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, uh, that is true.
2: Yeah, the dad was stuck in that. I mean, yeah. he died in that mindset, you know? Right,
1: he died in that mindset. So, I don't know. Anyway. I mean, I think it's just something to think about that we do have the power of, of, of making decisions, of making choices, no matter the circumstances. Because we can always make a choice on how we react to them.
2: Mm-hmm. How we,
1: whether we accept them or we fight against them. Right. Whether we trust God in the midst of them or not.
2: I mean, or, I mean, you look at the Andy and his choice. I mean, he... he he went for it big time, right, you know. Because right, right, right. I mean, the the big the famous line is, you either what get busy die- living or get busy dying." That's
1: right. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And he made the choice to get busy living.
2: And I mean, and he and look what he the turnaround he made for Red, mm-hmm. you know, who couldn't imagine himself. He had no hope. And then he had the choice. I can't remember the guy who'd gotten out before Red. What was his name? Ooh. And he. You know, remember. basically he could not handle being out. could handle freedom. Um, however, Red was then totally in the same exact circumstances, mm-hmm. and he had to make a choice at that point to live or die, basically. You know? Yeah. So we're always faced. It's amazing. It's and awesome. And
1: Andy brought him hope. So really good. Really good stuff.
2: So cool. Anything else you can think of to I say bet. about that? I think that'll wrap it up, boo Okay.
1: Well, speaking of wrapping up.
2: You got a present for me? I should. No. <laughs> we need to get one for Grace.
1: <laughs> I know, we do. We have to do that. Uh, we are going to be wrapping up this episode of The Catholic Foodie. So, uh, once again, if you have not yet left feedback for The Catholic Foodie, you can do so. And matter of fact, you should do so. You can always call the listener feedback line at 985-635-4974. It's 985-635-4974. Uh, you can email me over at CatholicFoodie at gmail.com or visit the website, CatholicFoodie.com, where you're going to find lots more content than you find here on the show. Uh, I get to post uh, other articles, blog posts, whatever, uh, over there at CatholicFoodie.com and also the show notes for all the shows and you know, with links uh, to everything we talk about, all that good stuff. And, uh, and also, you can make comments on those posts, so you're free to leave feedback that way as well. Uh, any way you choose to do it, just send back feedback. Let me know what you are thinking and what you think about what we talk about on the show, what you think about the Catholic foodie. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, also, um, I want to remind you about Sarah Reinhardt's blog, The Snoring Scholar. It's snoringscholar.com. And uh, you may want to just send her a little note and say, hey, so glad to hear you on the Catholic Foodie. I think that's going to be a fantastic segment from now on. So congratulate her. That's wonderful. I'm very excited about it. Also, uh, you may have heard Daniel and the feedback he sent earlier mention the Catholic Creativity Podcast. That Catholic Creativity Podcast is, uh, is a work of Father Jim Tucker, who is uh, very creative, by the way. He's also very Catholic because he's a priest. Um, <laughs> anyway, I had the pleasure... Of uh, being interviewed by Father Jim, I think it was about uh, what a week and a half, two weeks ago,
2: something like that. I don't know our time. Our time is, time just, is just
1: like yeah, Lynn insane. is insane. It's like the Bermuda Triangle of time, Lynn. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I, it was the last episode he put out. I can't remember the title of it right now, uh, and I don't have iTunes open. But uh, i I'm, I'm on there. If you are interested in hearing more about the background of the Catholic foodie and uh, other thoughts that I tend not to share really on the show here. Feel free to go over there, give it a listen, and let him know what you think about the Catholic Creativity Podcast, and let me know what you think about all the wild and crazy stuff I tell I tell you about over there. I think that'd be pretty fun. And uh, and anyway, I think that's it. We're going to wrap it up, and I can't wait to see you next week. Remember, this Sunday, the thirteenth of April uh, of March, I'm sorry, the thirteenth of March, there will be no show because we're going to be celebrating grace our youngest daughter grace's birthday she's turning eight so we're going to be in baton rouge having a crawfish boil oh yeah as a celebration with her and uh, of course i'll probably tell you how that goes next next week week. that's right so until then
2: bon bon appetit. appetit